You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Thank you. It's so nice to just be carried by the music and your spirit and the music. Hi. Hi, friends. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, Thank you, Liz, for that story. And Ashley for helping us with these slides. Thank you. Um, Before I get into the sermon, is anybody up for prayerfully walking around the neighborhood for the next half an hour? Um, We've been sending partners out of our Sunday meeting kind of in this posture of humility to like take initiative to make the first move. Um, not wait, not just waiting for people to come to us in our meeting, um, but going out and noticing what God is already doing in the neighborhood around us. Um, noticing the beauty and the opportunities out there around us. Some people have been like talking to people they meet, even praying with them, which I did not expect. Um, but this is something you could just walk around in silence and kind of notice what's happening. Anybody up for that? If not, that's okay, too. Because truthfully, I like being here together as well. All right, we can just just have that tonight. I want to talk about the ascension of Jesus. Um, The ascension of Jesus, meaning that, that, that part in the Bible where Jesus goes up into heaven and um, is, is like visibly move, removed from his friend's sight. And I want to talk about like what that actually means for us. Uh, Thursday was Ascension Day, which is 40 days after Easter, when the, the worldwide church celebrates this moment of Jesus um, being taken up into heaven. And I, I think it's really, um, it's really actually really significant to think about the door um, that that opened for the Holy Spirit to come. And next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. We're going to celebrate Pentecost together. But in that moment, right before Jesus was taken up into heaven, he said, wait. He told his friends to wait in the city for the, for the comforter to come. And, and so they had to wait, even in the sense of loss, that they felt was not not having Jesus around in physical form anymore. Um, I want to propose to you the premise of, of my message today is that Jesus's ascension was an initial loss, but through the waiting, it opened this door to a great expansion of capacity and connection. And honestly, I think we are we are just beginning. If we can stay with this as a church and as a people, I think we're just beginning to scratch the surface of what this, what connection with the Holy Spirit actually means. I know, I know personally, I'm just beginning to scratch the surface of what that means. The opportunities in being connected to God through the Spirit. I think the the ascension gives way to a multiplication of the life-giving work of God in the world. And it's often a hidden movement to wholeness and freedom and integration. 
But again, I, it was initially experienced by the disciples as loss. And, and that's why it's hardly mentioned in the Gospels, I think. Like, Matthew and John don't even mention it at all. Um, Mark and Luke just give a tiny high five to it, like one verse. And I think that's because they really didn't want to deal with the pain of their friend leaving. Like, uh, they didn't want to... They got really distressed every time Jesus talked about going away or dying. They didn't... They, 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 and that's because they were human and they had this human relationship with Jesus. Um, and they couldn't imagine how things could be better than what they were experiencing with him right then. And that experience of loss, I think, is an important part of the story that might be relatable to us, too. But after they experience the reality of the Spirit, after they experience like the benefit of the ascension and what it opened up to them, then Luke records um, in, the, in the first part of the book of Acts, he, he tells the story of the ascension. Because I think they could finally see, oh yeah, this was a good thing. Like Jesus did, Jesus did do what he promised. And, and this, this movement actually got bigger in Jesus' absence. Um, so let me read it to you. In my former book, Theophilus, Luke, Luke is writing to his friend because all of this is personal. The whole Bible, it's mostly just person to person. It's not like, it's not like some like thing that we think it is, you know, or that maybe that the church has made it to be. It's just a bunch of letters to people. I wrote, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. We've been looking at those over the past couple weeks in our Sunday meetings. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John was baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're totally missing the point just thinking about themselves. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. While they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And that's good news for us. I, I really like how the movie Risen, anybody, see, anybody seen that movie? The movie Risen <laughs> portrays this moment um, and it doesn't look as corny as 
if you if you've seen artwork of the ascension, it looks so corny to me because it looks like Jesus kind of like rising up from the ground like he's yeah, a hot air balloon. Um, and it, I just don't feel the, you know, the juice in that. But I like how the movie Risen portrays it. So Ashley's going to show us the end scene here. Maybe it was like this. left with their questions then and like you know that the real life that we're all trying to figure out kind of sets in and they they have to wait <laughs> oh I'll get to that um, so so when Jesus was taken up into heaven it opened this door for God to get spread out and, and diffused into all things like that light. We're not quite here yet, sorry guys. Uh, God got like spread over all the earth at Pentecost. And you, you see how the disciples in the story, they think it's still just about themselves when they're asking about the, their little, their people of Israel. They don't get it yet that like, um, God is doing something bigger and more grand that will inform, you, can, you guys can just leave it up. I'm getting there real quick. Um, sorry about that. God is doing something bigger and more grand that's going to inform and transform their, their political problems, too. 
But transformation is a process. It's not instant. And I think it's really significant that Jesus, Jesus tells the disciples to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They had to experience the loss. They had to experience the loss. I think that's an important part of the story, even though I hate it. Hey, Mabel. Um, it's never part of the story that any of us are big fans of. Like, we don't want to wait. I don't want to wait, and I certainly don't want to experience loss. It would be really nice to experience the fullness of our healing and, and the healing of the world right now, right? I don't know why the disciples had to wait for the Spirit and experience the, the loss of Jesus with them in the flesh and in the same way like that I don't know why we have to wait and experience loss either, except that the story of God consistently points to something bigger and better happening later. I, I'm looking at you guys because I, I, I'm thinking of the line in, in AA, it gets greater later. That's really like the story of God, always pointing to something better coming. So maybe the disciples needed to make space in their lives and hearts that only God could fill. Jesus left a space when he disappeared. Maybe they needed to protect that space and not fill it up with all the stuff that they could. All the temporal things they could fill themselves up with until the moment of Pentecost. They needed to hold out and they needed to wait for what was really real, the best stuff. And I think I think that is really connected to our daily invitation too. But it's so hard to actually do, isn't it? We have many ways of filling ourselves up um, that don't actually fill us up for too long. And so the invitation of the spiritual life is, is to learn to discern and set aside the invitation fillers and the substitute dreams to hold, to hold that space for the spirit to fill, even if it feels really uncomfortable and, and like dying, like dying. I really love that meme with the skeleton because I think waiting feels like, feels kind of like dying sometimes. The isolation that many of us experienced in the pandemic lockdowns was kind of, kind of like that in a way. Um, for some people, I, I know it was for me at times, those months of YouTube Sunday meetings where I was like in a room by myself with a camera, like that was just terrible. Um, I mean, I was glad for the technology, but it's not the same as being in an actual room with you. Um, and now it makes it all the sweeter when I can like see my daughter going to the prom and having fun with her friends um, or like being at a family wedding where everybody's getting to like dance together and be, be in the same room together. Life is precious. Moments are precious. And, and maybe that helps us to feel the anger more acutely now when children are gunned down in school. And, and uh, I hope we actually achieve some gun reform laws now. You know, I hope as a country we can actually put public health, the collective, over individual rights. You know, I hope, I hope 
we can see the insanity of our individual rights and where they've gone. Um, it's insane that gun violence is the leading cause of death among children and teens in the United States. And it would be great if our care for the whole and for community would grow out of the loss and the, the space that we experienced in a global pandemic to, to realize how precious life is um, and how and to protect it. I know I'm preaching to the choir here when I say things like that. But whether or not the US government gets the picture, we have an invitation from God inspired by our waiting for Pentecost. In order to experience the fullness of life, I think, I think we have to make space for it. We've gotta make room. The suffering of that gives way to the next level. Just like the ascension gave way for the whole universe to be filled with the presence of God. But the disciples had to wait for it. And I think for us, that means not, not filling our lives with all the things we could. It might, be, it might mean like being bored on purpose, maybe even on the holiday. Um, Maybe taking walks without headphones. I like to do that so I can actually like listen to my thoughts. Not letting ourselves scroll through social media or Netflix with all of our limited free time. It means falling upward. We've got to get beyond the anxious compulsive cycle in our minds and bodies in order to tap into that creative space where we can imagine new possibilities and not just feel weighed down by the weight of the world. For me, something that helps me um, involves regularly turning my eyes to the relentless life force in creation. Because um, I, I can easily start thinking catastrophically, like everything is doomed. And by the way, I'm a failure too because I can't fix anything, including myself. I can easily get into that mindset, and so I need to regularly look up and see how the new grass is growing and the trees are producing new fruit, like the flowers you put on Instagram today, snapdragons, yep, and the sun is still energizing the whole system. Jeff and I found these lovely um, new chairs at FDR, park down the road, um, recently and so you too could sit and watch the wonder of creation renewing itself right here in Philly I think that's evidence that's just one little piece of evidence of the spirit of God not giving up on us of continuing to show up for us and be alive you know inspiring us through creation to make space and wait for the fullness of God to fill and grow us If we ground ourselves in the reality of God's presence, um, which is kind of where that book is going, that, that Rand is leading, Rand and Circle of Peacemakers is leading us in this book study on the quaking of America. Um, and a lot of it is kind of about grounding ourselves, our mind and bodies. I think if we can do that, we, we can experience the loss, the loss of, some th of systems that may need to fall apart. 
Um, some Christian leaders in one of the circles I know were passing around this article recently that was kind of like blaming the polarization of our society on social media. Have, have you heard, have you guys heard this argument? Um, and I, and in a way I, I, I agree that social media can be a problem sometimes. It does not always bring people together, right? But I was amazed at how they weren't noting the, polar, the, the great polarization that already existed in our society way before social media. The way that racism and patriarchy and greed and xenophobia have, have polarized us to the extent of creating these systems that only serve some and not others. And so it might be okay if some, some of these exclusive systems fall apart so that inclusive ones can be built. And I think, I wonder if being grounded in the reality of how God's presence actually fills all things, fills the universe and fills us, might enable us to um, let things fall apart that might need to fall apart so that we can build our lives on Christ. I love how Paul describes this new reality that is ours. Thanks, Ashley. Anybody want to read that from for us? Real and read the parts in bold really loudly. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thanks, Allie. So I bolded that part not only in the present age, because I think it's easy to look at these passages and think that it's like for some future time for like some other people because I, I mean they're Paul's talking about like this is like big big vision big idea it sounds it sounds kind of unattainable but he's reminding us that this truth is for is for us now it's not for some it's not just for some future time it is actually for us now so how can we how could we get into this Paul is saying that the Spirit of Christ is here with us now and gives us power to overcome our struggles, to be empty enough to receive the power of God. And it, I say that because it is a challenge to be empty enough in our world, in our culture, to be empty enough to receive the power of God and to let it fill us and give us a measure of peace and satisfaction now. It doesn't necessarily feel good to be empty, uh, like Liz was saying. But this is how we make space to be filled with the Spirit, grounded in our own bodies and minds to do good work. 
in the world together. People in recovery, I think, know something about this wisdom of emptying in order to be filled. And Charlie's gonna offer a training after our meeting here tonight um, in how to reverse overdoses. And so I invite you to stay for that if you have time. Part of the wisdom of recovery is learning to stay in the present moment. You know, not jumping to our regrets or sentimentality about the past or our worries about the future, but actually like in this present moment, receiving, waiting for the awareness that God is enough to meet us right now, that we are enough in God right now. It's just minute, moment by moment. And so I think the invitation is a deeply theological one. And it really is the invitation of the ascension to be in the moment with our sense of loss and wait for the awareness of the spirit giving us enough for this moment right now. The whole serenity prayer is a really great tool for helping us experience that enoughness with God. Um, and I like the, we often hear the first little bit, but here's, here's the whole thing. Can someone else read that for us? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking, as God did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that God will make things right. If I surrender to God's will so that, I, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with God forever and ever in the next. Amen. Thank you. All of that acceptance might sound like some passive resignation or some distancing um, ourselves from the world's problems and avoiding our responsibility. But, but I don't think it is. Actually, I think that surrendering to God's will is a very dangerously active prayer because it calls us to be part of the solutions. It calls us to get up real close to the pain and not to be distant at all. Um, as we'll probably see in our Narcan training today, God gets right in there and enables us to be change agents to help save each other. And, and that's the opportunity of the ascension too. Where Jesus leaves off in, in his singular visible body, we continue as the body of Christ in the world. On the cross, when he, remember he said, it is finished. I think he was talking about like um, d uh, death's hold. He, he was talking about, he was meaning the assurance of salvation, of victory over death. But he didn't say, I am finished. Because he knew that he'd commission us, regular people, to finish the work with him. I watched this movie last night that, that was another example of this truth, how God calls us to, into partnership with his spirit, often through our own emptiness and loss. It's this true story 
of this woman played by, by Naomi Watts um, who goes up on a hike. To, she's hiking up Mount Washington for the day, which I think is a terrible idea because I've been on the top of Mount Washington. It's absolutely horrible all year long. It's freezing, heavy winds and snow. It's the highest point on um, the East Coast. But she was doing it to process her own loss and trauma um, on the anniversary of her daughter's death, um, kind of as her therapy. And when she gets to the top, she sees this guy sitting there, for, literally freezing to death on purpose. Um, he, because he's he, she finds out later he's dealing with his own loss, and he's and he's like literally trying to die. And so, <laughs> sorry. Um, um, so she like she begins this great struggle to get them both down the mountain. Um, even though he's half dead and extremely resistant to the prospect of surviving. But she doesn't give up. And when they meet at the end of the movie, she, she tells him about losing her daughters and he asks her if it gets any easier. And she just replies that even in the pain, even in the storm, she's come to see that there's beauty. And it's like, it just spoke to me of the work of the spirit in, in the impossible. Um, and I think, I think that is the opportunity in following the, res the resurrected Lord, that Jesus is not just gone, but here with us now through his spirit to continue to reveal beauty, to help us keep up hope in the goodness of life because of him. I want to leave you with one final story from my life that I have told some of you before. When my own kids were little, we had a gas leak in our house. And that I thought of it because that's how her little girls died. Um, we didn't know it, of course, but when an inspector came out to our house to refinance, um, the levels were like so bad that he was like, how are you guys alive? And so I took my kids to the Rosenbach, Jeff was away, and I proceeded to worry like all through the night um, that my kids had irreversible brain damage because of course I was consulting Dr. Google and just totally freaking out. And in the wee hours of the morning as I was praying, I became aware of this presence in the room with us. And I thought, um, kind of like crouched down where my kids were sleeping, and I thought it was an angel at first, which made me happy enough. But then I realized I had this just knowing sense that it was Jesus himself. And all my fear left me, and I knew that we'd be okay. It was kind of like the veil between the dimensions was kind of lifted for a moment, and I could see what the Bible says is actually true, that, that Jesus exists, Jesus is alive today to intercede for us. And maybe heaven is where he is, you know, where he was like taken up into is just kind of another dimension that is actually here now, even though we can't usually see it. We can know it through prayer. 
You might think I'm nuts after telling you that story, and that's okay. Um, I understand, because I can't explain or prove this stuff, um, but that's what faith is all about. We're in the zone of mystery here, and I think if we can keep opening up to the possibility of God's presence here with us now, empowering us for partnership in God's work, I think we can do amazing things together in the days ahead. So let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you here tonight that your ascension was not just a loss, but an expansion of capacity and connection. I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, like Paul said, that we could see you, that you might give us hope of being partners in your work and in just all the normal stuff of daily life. We thank you for your story and how it continues in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.